Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Now, sometimes technology takes a big shit. And right now, my phone has, well, the software crashed. So, and being that the Wi-Fi itself is not the strongest and most reliable, um, I am contemplating in the near future getting the terabyte. I've been resisting it. It's like, okay... Oh, I can live with 256 gigabytes. And I'm thinking, no. Because I go to a lot of concerts. Yes, sometimes I think about, oh, if only I could bring the video quality down. Because it does eat a lot of memory. Like when I went to see the Deftones and Gojira. All the while I'm thinking, okay, if I if I do a few of these in kind of um, a live stream way then I don't have to worry about the data that it's eating. But that didn't happen. So tonight I'm recording on the tablet, and I've got the microphone plugged in. And just thought I would talk freeform. Because, you know, there are times where I don't want to talk about a particular film. I think we've exhausted the possibilities of the Northman. Here in May, I mean, we've got... uh, the multiverse is, is coming back. You've got uh, Doctor Strange and then Downton Abbey, the second movie, the sequel. So I'm looking forward to that. And um, so, there's yeah, there's a lot to talk about in terms of films and in terms of music. I mean, some of my friends think I'm crazy. My concert list really has grown. I started the year with seeing Tool, and the Tool concert really was uh, a makeup of the second leg of the 2020 tour that was supposed to happen, but because of COVID, it couldn't go through. So then there was that. Then there was Buddy Guy. I Buddy, it had been postponed. And then Deftones and Gojira, it had also been postponed. But in the middle of that, I had never intended to see Ministry. But then I saw that the ministry show and I thought, you know, I love the band. I'll just go. So I bought it. I when I was at the show, I think I told there, there was this couple there and we were talking and they were like and I said the wrong number. I think I said I paid one hundred and eighty for the ticket. And they went, what? But then later on, I looked and I think I paid one thirty for the ticket. And then it's starting to grow like I'm seeing behemoth in May. Here we are. We're in May. And then I'm seeing Bob Dylan in June. And uh, here's the thing with Bob Dylan. A friend had said, oh, that would be great for you to see him. They never once said, oh, I want to go too. Because if they had, I said, okay, I'll get you the, I'll get you a ticket too. But I didn't because I knew I really wanted to see Bob Dylan. And so I think it's in the orchestra section or something. And he's playing three three dates on the tour in California in Northern California, and so I thought, you know, here we are. This is this is the time to, you know, take those opportunities and make something of them. And then, lo and behold, yes, another one, Nine Inch Nails. So this is probably the most acts that I've seen in one year. Last year was a return to concerts. And, you know, I tried to make up for that. Last year I saw, I think the first show that I saw 
post-COVID, although it was still going on, was uh, Cypress Hill and Atmosphere and DJ, uh, I forget his name, I'm going to look. And then I saw St. Vincent, followed by uh, Aftershock, and then um, I saw David Sedaris. So yeah, it was, it really kind of made up for, um, in terms of, you know, the, the touring. People wanted touring to come back. Those first few shows, I did wear a mask. And then gradually, you know, when they do it outside, that's kind of a different beast. And if we look at, okay, this is the Cypress Hill. Okay, special guest Z Trip. Z Trip was good. And this was over in Berkeley. I hadn't been to Berkeley in a long time. And uh, I was telling someone, we were talking about these phones, you know. And here I'm having to update the software as we speak. Because back in the day, you know, you either knew your way around the Bay Area or you had to get a, an authentic map. And I said to someone, I said, I'm thankful for the navigation on the phone because I would be lost a million times. So, like, I know now, okay, when I'm going to go to Berkeley, there's a little freeway that you take. You have to take an exit and you get on there. And then you have to go straight. Now, when I, when I saw St. Vincent... I don't know if I was, I was probably tired and I, t- and I took a turn and so then I had to go all the way around. So yeah, but yeah, concerts are coming back. Uh, more power to all of you who want to go see shows, you know, and then the movies. First movie that I saw post COVID, well, po- post in, and still in progress was uh, Venom, uh, Let There Be Carnage, Venom 2. And so yeah, it's it's been a it's been a wild ride. Uh, there's a lot of great films out there. Yes, all of last week and Friday, I talked about The Northman. I I think The Northman is such an amazing film. Robert Eggers, Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, uh, Ethan Hawke. Uh, Anna Taylor-Joy I hope I'm saying her name right She's in The Queen's Gambit, by the way She was also in Robert Eggers' first film The Witch The Witch is such a disturbing film I've only seen bits and pieces of it But uh, And and, and yeah there, there Some people that I know didn't like The Northman I loved it I think because they were expecting Probably you know, a typical Viking story, whatever that is. But the 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 Northman was very authentic. Very, uh, I mean, there, when you, when you're a filmmaker, you really have to do your homework because you know you're gonna have people saying, "Well, wait a minute, I don't remember that," and and you have to really do some research. You can't just half-ass it. If you're going to do a parody of it, then most definitely. Uh, I, always, I always find that parodies really don't get the love that they deserve. I think they're considered throwaway. Um, it made me think of... Uh, I'm uh, Probably around the end of last year, I was very hesitant to watch the show Succession. I was very hesitant. And I the first episode, I, it was long, and I'm thinking, okay... 
These people are rich. They are miserable. And the banter, and I thought, and then a friend said to me, just just stick with it. I said, okay. So I stuck with it. And I'm and I'm aware of Brian Cox. I think Brian Cox is such a great actor. And um, I'm also aware of Jeremy Strong and uh, Kieran Culkin and Sarah Snook I wasn't really aware of. And so I'm watching it. And then gradually it you know the, the there are those shows that you binge. Very rarely do I binge. And I found myself maybe once a night watching two to three episodes of Succession. And that really is that really is King Lear. But in a modern day, because you have Brian Cox's character, Logan Roy, who is this kind of uh, Rupert Murdoch type. He likes to uh, he likes to say fuck a lot in, in front of his own family, which I always think is funny. But then it's also it's the term. It's succession. When I first heard about succession, I thought it was about politics. I thought, you know, one of them wants to be president. Well, no, it's about media and also controlling politics through the media and so you have these three kids well four actually you have Connor uh, you have uh, uh, Siobhan and then you have uh, see right now my brain is fried <laughs> these, these are important characters in the show but you have Connor who is kind of the one with the uh, delusions of grandeur and then through the second marriage although I think Logan has some other kids waiting in the wings that's just that's just my opinion and then the second oldest in terms of the second marriage um, you have uh, Kendall Roy who really wants to be the heir apparent but is a, a, a has a drug past and has a lot of problems, and then you have um, uh, Roman Roman Roy, who is kind of a fuckery of sorts and um, doesn't take things seriously, and as always, some of his jokes are a sexual harassment waiting to happen, and then you have Siobhan Roy. And Siobhan, Siobhan Roy is kind of the liberal one of the bunch and wants to is is ready to take over the company. But because she's a girl, so that's old sexism right there in terms of the birth order. But because she's a girl, uh-uh. And many times Logan has promised each of them, oh, you're going to get the company. And then he fucks them over. So yeah, it's uh, I'm waiting for season four. But see, with that, it's kind of like when you're waiting for something, it's like the Tool albums. You can't say hurry up because when you're creating something, when you're making a film or you're making a piece of art, when you hurry, it really loses its value. It is devalued. And so that's why I can understand artists who want to take their time. Or in the case of Tool, they they did okay, they put out 10,000 Days in 2006. In fact, I think today is the anniversary of that. And then 
It wasn't until 2019 <coughs> we got another album. But you know who's counting. But in that aspect, I can understand in terms of the quality. It's about quality over quantity. Now, some have said that about this show. Is that, oh my God, you record every day so that it, the show loses its quality. Because it's about quantity. And I disagree with that because I always try to put quality. I always try to give my audience a promise. A low audience, by the way. And, uh, but also I've said to people, this is a, this is a form of mental health. The fact that I can do this every day, it's like going to a shrink. That's what I, that's really why I started to do this show daily. I never intended to do a podcast every day. But then I started to realize, okay, this is kind of a mental release. I don't have to go to the shrink. I don't have to pretend that I'm Sigmund Freud. Although I did study Freud at one point. Um, But yeah. And so to those who often say, well, you shouldn't record every day. It takes the value from the show. It takes the quality. I disagree with that. Because I always put everything, even... Even when my voice is basically shot, which it's still, you can hear it. You know, the show, the show has to go on. And um, the audience, the audience wants it. The audience is expecting it. And so I'm always aware of that. You know, I'm also aware of through this, these apps that we can see where the show is being listened to. Whenever I talk about German expressionism, I I was looking and I have a German audience in Germany. So I thought, okay, that makes sense because I'm talking about German expressionism and F.W. Murnau and Nosferatu and, and a lot of the German expressionist films. And then and then in Spain, because every now and then I'll talk about Pedro Almodovar and uh, uh, Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem. That's always a trip for me to watch Javier Bardem because when when you have um, Spaniard or Mexican actors, yes, he's Spaniard. I know, I know, because the di- there's a difference between the accents. My Spanish professor would always say that how Penelope Cruz would say "arses," where the a Mexican accent is totally different. You know, an, an authentic is is Miss Salma Hayek, um, but. I, what I'm going with that is is that these actors they're able to play different ethnicities you have Javier Bardem he's a Spanish actor and he's playing Desi Arnaz who is Cuban and then he's playing um, a, a Mexican in another film and, the, and that's the same with Anthony Quinn Anthony Quinn wouldn't just play you know Anthony Quinn was in Lust for Life he played Viva Zapata he played Zorba the Greek, so he's playing a Greek. He played a Jew at one point. He played a Muslim. We're going to talk about that film eventually. And so, the, yeah, when it comes to the early actors who were uh, not white, Hollywood basically would say, hey, can you play that? Sure. The same, the same thing can be said about Omar Sharif. You know, Omar Sharif was this Lebanese. Was he Lebanese? Wait. Let me think. Um, well, he was an Arabic act, uh, uh, actor. Of, uh, 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 okay, see, let me let me get this right because I don't want the audience to say, "Oh, 
you said the wrong thing about Omar Sharif and I, and I did a show about Omar Sharif because when you talk about okay he was an Egyptian actor um he spoke five languages Arabic, English, French, Italian and Spanish and uh I talked about him because the importance of you know Lawrence of Arabia where he makes his entrance to Dr. Zhivago which is really a classic and so yeah whenever I do a show and I do free form I just talk about film and you know last night I did we talked about this is 40 and that was really a tribute to the Almies because this is 40 you've got the mother and the father they're both they're they're both um, pondering the next chapter and they have and, they, and they're a family of all girls and so that's why I did that was because Jason and his wife Miss Christina Almy are uh, now a family of all girls so good luck to you um, I come from a family of all boys so that's yeah very interesting as I've said before uh, yeah <laughs> that's all I will say but you know there were a lot of different films floating around. One wanted to see this. One wanted to see that. And there, there's we all have our different tastes. You know what I mean? I've said before how <laughs> my brother and his friend they wanted to see There Will Be Blood, and I and I didn't say anything what the film was about because I thought, oh great, I get to see it again a second time. In the theater, because I loved There Will Be Blood. I thought it was a, just an amazing film, visually beautiful, and just and, and very clear face. And they hated the film, and I just kind of saw, sat there and just kind of smiled and thought, well, you know, I think sometimes it's like don't, don't judge a book by its cover. I think people see a title in the film and they think, oh, okay, it's got blood in it, it's about something. Not realizing that the blood is a proverbial uh, kind of a, a metaphor for oil, because blood and oil, because it's really about greed and you know these oil prospectors, which Daniel Plainview was the the brilliant Daniel Day Lewis. Um, but yeah, just to talk about those films, and you know, I'll even go back to the Northman, and you can roll your eyes. And how I was watching The Northman, and it, 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 was, a, it was a moment between him, um, Alexander Skarsgård, Omelet, and Anna Taylor Joy's character. And I just thought, whoa, this is stunning. In terms of, in terms of how it was done, and in terms of how Robert Eggers handled it. So yeah, you, you will not get me to stop talking about The Northman. I thought it was exceptional. I thought it was amazing. And then we have some other things coming in May. Um, my my goal is every now and then I've I've given a shout out. You know, through Twitter you can connect to different people. And at the end of 2020, I got to say something to Kelly Carlin McCall, the daughter of George Carlin, that I really enjoyed her book. A Carlin Home Companion. And she actually responded 
and liked it and said thank you. I'm glad that you liked it because it was it was one of those books where right before COVID hit, I would go to the gym and I would listen to it and I would almost laugh out loud and I had to catch myself because to hear Kelly Carlin talk about her family, talk about her father, because you know that's the thing, she is she is the sole survivor now of her family. Her uncle Patrick. Patrick Carlin, the older brother of George Carlin, died recently. And so, when people want to know about George Carlin, they're going to go to his daughter, Kelly. And I mention her because I would love to, at one point, speak to her, but on a one-on-one, to talk about this documentary that's coming out. Judd Judd Apatow, who also directed, we talked about it last night, This Is 40, has done, I haven't seen the trailer yet. I am I am excited for this trailer. Uh, it's called George Carlin, an American Dream, and it t- and I think that is also a, a nod to the joke that George Carlin talks about. Well, it's called the American Dream because you have to be asleep asleep to realize it. Yep. And so I'm looking forward to that. Here we are. We're in 2022. We are in a crazy climate. And people are still to this day quoting and reciting George Carlin quotes, George Carlin jokes. Seven words can't say on TV. And also PC culture. I was talking to a college student about this. We were working the library and I said, you know, comedians used to tour college campuses. But now because of PC culture, they won't. Jerry Seinfeld used to do it, and George Carlin used to. In fact, George Carlin was such a... He was doing the hippy-dippy weatherman. And then he started to get inspired by the 60s and what was going on with the hippies and what was going on with the beatniks and did acid and smoked smoked a joint, and boom! You have the, the hippy-dippy weatherman kind of goes to the wayside and the real George Carlin the authentic George Carlin makes his debut and of course we have that famous moment that for that George Carlin is forever proud of is the seven words you can't say on television it's been talked about it's been I mean it was it was talked about in the Supreme Court and his daughter said that, that that's actually one of his proudest moments professionally is the fact that someone had to read those words that you can't say on television. But now through cable, you can. Now through HBO, you can. And so I wanted to just end tonight with Carlin himself talking about those seven words you can't say on television some some of us remember those words by heart um, some of us have to look up the words I think he later wanted to add more words to the seven words you can't say on television <laughs> but now if you watch cable you can say them if you watch streaming you can say them even here on the Dr. Zeus phone podcast I can say them because I have agreed through the podcasting company 
that I have to list my show as explicit because I will say shit, piss, cocksucker, motherfucker, tits, and twat. Those are the seven words, but let's look at them to make sure because I don't. Uh, my cousin met George Carlin and we would often talk about that seven words. There we go. There we go. This is from Mr. George Carlin himself. This is, I think, from the the comedy album AMFM. <laughs> Here's here are the seven words you can't say on television. Now remember, this is this is the 1970s, and so even then you couldn't really curse. Let's see. Okay, the seven dirty words. We have to emphasize dirty. I don't find them dirty, but because, you know, we all say them in our daily lives. And where's the list? Where is the list? (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. Here are. Okay. These are in order. We look at them one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. And I think later he wanted to add these are the seven words that got George Carlin in trouble. They went all the way to the Supreme Court because someone, I guess, supposedly, according to my friend, a, a radio guy and his son were walking and they heard the radio and they played it and then it went all the way to the Supreme Court. These are those magical words. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. And then I think he wanted to add another one. But think about that. I think I think he got arrested maybe once for saying it. Think of how Lenny Bruce, Lenny Bruce went to jail. Uh, it, it derailed his career, but it was in a way a sacrifice upon himself for the next generation. I mean, then you had uh, Richard Pryor. R- Richard Pryor, who just went far. I, I've always, it always kind of makes me smirk when people say, oh, I liked Richard, but I didn't. They'll say, they say they liked Richard, but. And I'm like, okay, why is the but? And I think because Richard Pryor, unlike Cosby and unlike other people, Richard Pryor wore his heart on his sleeve. We all knew that he was born into a house of ill repute. He was born into a whorehouse. And so you could almost think that the song House of the Rising Sun, that's basically Richard Pryor's theme song. But he went there. He went there. And he, and he paid a big price for going there. And um, But Carlin and him, you know, they were contemporaries. And, and then I got to mention Mr. Paul Mooney, because Paul Mooney used to write for Richard Pryor. Paul Mooney, in his own right, was a prolific comedian and was always talking about racism and within the black community and then outside of the uh, the spectrum, you know, like Hattie McDaniel and um, politics and just uh, humor in general. And here is George Carlin talking to John Stewart about the seven words. You wanted to be Danny Kay and Bob Hope. So how do you think this thing is working out so far? <laughs> well, I knew I wanted to stand up and, you know, and be silly. 
and have people say, isn't he cute? Isn't he cute and clever? And that's all it was, was a reward, a psychic reward. You know, when you're a kid and you find out that you can get the attention of adults and approval <laughs> and a little bit of respect and, and you just hunger for it, you keep going back for it. And, and I have, fortunately, genetic, you know, my little toolkit, my genetic toolkit I was given, included a mother and father who were very funny people, could do accents and dialects and tell funny stories about what happened on the bus that morning and have a punchline. So, uh, you don't lick it off the rocks, they say in our So I thank, I thank my grandmother's milkman, actually. <laughs> That's that's Carlin talking about growing up. Here is Carlin talking to Chris Rock about those famous seven dirty words. And let's cue it up. Let's cue it up. Okay. Penalty of living. The penalty of living. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what happens? A lot, a lot of people say, hey, I, I, how you doing? How you doing? I love that stuff. 1972, I saw you. And I go, oh, yeah, well, the last 25 years, been some more. Okay, I'm looking for it. And we need to go to the source. Here's Carlin talking to Museum of Television. He's had an interest in language and, and the, 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 these words that were considered dirty. The left side of my brain is very active. I like classifying and indexing and filing. That's why I have a lot of files in my computer. That's why my material works because I, I, I the right brain is the creative guy, creative lady, let's say, you know, throwing shit up in the air. And the left side says, okay, where does that fit? How does that go? Let's call that something. Let's give it a label. Let's put it with other things that are similar. Let's match them up. Okay, these go together. You know, it's like an empire building thing. So the left side of my brain got curious about which words you could never say on television because I would notice, I mean, it was just common knowledge, but I noticed it specifically that you could talk about a, a female dog and say the bitch. The bitch is in heat, and that was okay on television if you were in that context. And the bastard was okay if you were talking about William the Conqueror. It's a William bastard. Uh, or the bastard son of so-and-so. You could say that in context. So I knew the words weren't. I said, well, those words aren't bad words then. They're an ass. You could say, yes, Jesus wrote into Nazareth on an ass. And come is okay if you, you know, he's, I'm going to come in the house in a minute. Uh, so, uh, I, I said, let me, let me separate these then. Which ones don't have saving meanings? Which ones don't have a saving grace to them? And I tried to isolate them. Well, balls is okay. Box is okay. Snatch is okay. Pussy is okay. Cunt? No. Doesn't have another meaning. Cunt is on the list. Fuck. Hump is got a meaning. Lay. Screw. Ball. All of those have other meanings. They're not the, it's not the words. It's the idea. What's the word? Fuck. That's the word they don't like. It's not the idea alone. It's the idea plus the word. And that appealed to my sense of indexing. And I separated them. And I began, then I put down those ideas into language that was entertaining. The jokes were self-evident. And I could make jokes. I could build on that. Because I could say, for instance, it's okay to say, uh, in a Walt Disney movie, it's okay to say, let's 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 crack open the box that the pussy is inside. Let's let's put a crack in the box that the pussy's inside. I forget how that was, but I had a whole sentence of these filthy words. If you said them the wrong way, perfectly innocent. If you said them the right way, so those that was the joke builder there. But but the language guy is interested in the words, and and the thinker was saying, look, you got a dichotomy. What 
just, you don't mind fucking, it's just you don't like to call it that. You don't mind intercourse, you say that, but you don't like fucking. But even if I'm not talking about fucking, I can't say fucking. If I say, who the fuck are you, that's got nothing to do with sex, but you don't want me to say that. So it's the word, it's the word, and these were the seven I can come up with that you can never say. Never, never, never. Now, piss has changed. They were shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. And I had a lot of fun with tits because it's an innocent sounding word. But you couldn't say it at that time. Piss. Interesting development. Piss is now okay on television if you're pissed off. But not if you're pissed on. In other words, if you change the preposition, you get in trouble. It's all right for me to say to you, why are you pissed off at me? But you can't say because you pissed on me. You can't say that. So it's just a preposition. The word's the same. So... Anytime there's inconsistency, anytime there's inconsistency that leads to hypocrisy, the, uh, inconsistency is just a wonderful thing to catch, to, to say, wait a minute, I gotcha, you know, you said this, and then you said that, and they don't go together, you know, so that's what I love, is that gotcha moment, when you catch the culture with its pants down. And so, my friends, that is the example of a true genius he didn't go to college he did well in his studies in high school and in grammar school but didn't go to college and yet was able to distinct different prepositions and the language and that's why the different generations they gather toward George Carlin because he was a genius but see, the other thing was, people have told me <clears throat> that he wasn't always on. They'd say when they'd interview him, he wasn't funny. Because he wasn't on. And I understand that. The difference when you're on the stage and you're ready to go. You, uh, I, I love what Joan Rivers once said about it. When you're up there and you're, she's telling those jokes. <laughs> Your, your brain is moving at a mile a second. You don't know where you're going to go. And then the hecklers start, and then you, you have to bring the audience back. And with Carlin, he had a, a, a really great grip on his audience. Because he knew what to, he knew how to stir it. But when he was off stage and he was doing an interview, I think with someone of that caliber... We expect too much. I didn't expect that of him, but you hear people talk about it. Oh, George wasn't funny in the interview. And it's like, yeah, because he's not performing. There's a difference. There's a very distinct difference to performing or to quote Mr. Carlin between fucking and not fucking or fucking off. Okay. There's a performance to it. There's a performance to the train that you're riding on. And, uh, yeah. And so here we are. This is this this is his birthday month. Jeez, he would have been 85? Yeah, 85. Uh, but he, we lost him at 71 in 2008. Just as he was about to receive the... Mark Twain Prize for comedy. And uh, 
in these crazy times, I, I always make a point of just something that he says, like uh, I was talking to some people and we were talking about the current state of the world we live in. And I said, well, you know, George Carlin said, you just have a ticket to the freak show. And they said, you have a point. I said, yeah. Or when they say, well, we don't have our rights. And George, remember George Carlin, you have no rights. America has been bought and sold and, and it's not going to get paid off. Everybody's going to have a side hustle. Everybody does. Pretty soon we're going to live in a world where you're going to have to create an app just to stay afloat. You're going to have families creating apps. What kind of app can we create? Yeah, you're going to have those Hallmark families. I say that because I know a lot of people who watch those Hallmark movies. And not, and not the Hallmark Hall of Fame. Those were different. I'm talking about these rom-coms where it's the blonde and she goes home. She's living in the big city. And she runs into the old boyfriend. You know how what kind of sexist piece of shit contrived fucking... Uh, Republican bullshit that is Oh she needs a man So she has to go home To mommy and daddy Because she's living in the big city Independently She's going to this This pretend Fake world where everything is Perfect and pristine That is a load of shit At the same time I know people who Watch Hallmark oh it helps me Escape I understand escapism than anybody I do it through music but then I learned that you can't really escape through music because it becomes a part of you but with Hallmark and I'm not knocking Hallmark I remember the, the greeting cards but that those stories really get old and, and you see them coming a mile away and it's always either a blonde or a brunette it's never a man it's always a woman and that is so sexist and so contrived to say that oh she needs a man okay I've often said that for me Hallmark will not move into the 21st century until they have a RuPaul Christmas okay until they have an Eva Longoria a Salma Hayek Christmas until they have some real diversity on the network because that's not what America looks like okay if you think that's what America looks like, then you're fucking crazy. And you are asleep at the wheel. Because that's the American dream right there. And you have and as George Carlin said, and it's called a dream for a reason. Because you have to be asleep to realize it. Okay? So that's the mic drop. And so here we are, the month of May. Get ready, because it's gonna get fun. Unpleasant dreams.